for the Canadian Society of Physician Leaders, I'm Pat Rich, and this is Leading the Way, the podcast for and about physician leaders. To date, our podcasts have been looking at how physicians can become better leaders and has focused on leadership issues related to the COVID-19 pandemic in Canada. Your host for those podcasts has been Dr. Johnny Van Aird, Executive Medical Director of CSPL and the current editor of the Canadian Journal of Physician Leadership. Over to you, Johnny. Thanks, Pat. In many of the interviews I've done so far, I've asked physician leaders about what changes to the healthcare system they believe will remain in place after the pandemic is over. Most of them identified the normalization of virtual or online care as something that will emerge from the current situation. We've collected those comments for this special podcast today. Pat? The identification of virtual care came early in the Leading the Way series and the course of the pandemic itself in an interview with Dr. Curtis Johnston, a critical care intensivist and co-lead at the Alberta Health Services Emergency Coordination Center. Here's what Curtis had to say. One of the interesting things we've seen uh, is the development of new technologies such as virtual medicine that have really started to become commonly used during this pandemic planning phase, and I'm sure they'll be even more used when the the pandemic really hits us. And I expect that perhaps post-pandemic we'll have less face-to-face visits and more teleconferencing or video conferencing options, which I think could be really convenient for many patients, especially those that have to travel long distances. You know, with the virtual health options that we can develop, we might be able to look after people at home who that otherwise would have required a hospital and Certainly, our our intent is during this pandemic is to try to look after as many people as possible at home using virtual health. And so I I think there are some real opportunities here that have and are developing through this, this crisis that could change the system in the long run. Speaking from the same province, Dr. Werner Yu, President and CEO of Alberta Health Services, talked about how the growth of virtual care was just a progression of initiatives that had already been underway before the pandemic. I think the pandemic for us has actually helped us focus on areas that we have already been focusing on. So, for example, we've been spending a lot of time over the last, I would say, two to three years on what we call enhancing care in the community. We know that we need to move away the traditional model around illness, focus on acute care. And we really wanted to move on to wellness, to community-based home care, and to provide as much support in the home settings. We've been trying to move on that. Pandemic has escalated the speed by which we're doing this. Uh, we're doing this now more, again, through virtual care. We'd actually started two initial both in Calgary and Edmonton on virtual hospitals. Well, this is now speeding that piece up. So those types of initiatives are speeding up big time because of the pandemic. Dr. Philip Edgecombe is a trained biomedical engineer and a recent graduate of the UBC MD PhD program who speaks internationally about disruptive technologies and the future of healthcare. Here, he describes the rapid rise of virtual care as a result of the pandemic. Prior to the pandemic, I would say that less than 1% of our consultations were being done virtually. And now that the pandemic has started and it's become an imperative that we reduce the, the risk of infection, I w- imagine that that rate has jumped to 20, 30, or maybe even 40% of consultations being done via telemedicine. It's an example of how the pandemic has created this impetus for change. And in many cases, we aren't going to be going back because we're realizing that there are many advantages to virtual care. 
And there are many advantages to, for example, monitoring patients at home and perhaps pre-screening patients to determine whether or not it's wise for them even to come into the emergency. Dr. Brendan Carr, President and CEO of the Nova Scotia Health Authority, discussed how our response to the pandemic has made the case for integrating virtual care into the mainstream of Canadian medicine. I, I think this pandemic has given us a very tangible use case for virtual care that we are aggressively exploring, I think, across the country. So I think we will come out of this years ahead of where we might have been in terms of the clarity around how we can use virtual care for follow-up and for primary care and for all kinds of things. Dr. Joshua Tepper, President and CEO of North York General Hospital, makes the same point. I think there's a few things that the pandemic has been catalyst for change that we should not slip back on. So one of those is virtual care. I think after years of moving far too slowly, we finally have started to see virtual care and uh, really adapted. And obviously a lot of that, some of that anyways, needs to go back to face-to-face. But I hope we continue to really use a lot more virtual care than traditionally we did before the pandemic. Dr. Scott McLeod, Registrar of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta, echoes this in talking about how physicians will interact differently with patients in the future. The pandemic has driven the profession of medicine into a virtual healthcare space that, uh, at a pace that we could have never predicted. And it's actually proven that a lot of care actually can be done remotely. In some cases, it's not the ideal care. We recognize that. Uh, There's still incredible value of having that personal contact and direct link to read some of those nonverbal cues, uh, to see the color of somebody's skin, for instance, or eyes. And there's that observational power that's valuable. There's also times where that uh, it may be better to actually have a virtual presence in the examination instead. For somebody who has chronic healthcare conditions, it's hard for them to get into an office uh, they may be exposed to other illnesses while being in, in a healthcare environment. So I think this is really recognized that embracing the reality that virtual care is a part of healthcare uh, is really going to shift the way care is going to be provided in the future. Finally, Dr. John Hagee, Minister of Health and Community Services for Newfoundland and Labrador, discussed the tensions that will need to be addressed in balancing the growth of virtual care with more traditional models of delivery? I think we are becoming a much more distributed healthcare system. I think the idea of having a centre of excellence as a building on a hill and, you know, the patient coming to a centre of learning or a centre of care are things of the past. I think people will want care in their own front room and if not, then ideally as near to their own front room as possible. Obviously, uh, for some services, that's going to be not practical. And the question the system is going to have to deal with is what is a reasonable congregation or concentration of resources? And the thing that's going to drive that is, I think, society's demand for the application of very high tech. The future in in our province, particularly over the next 30 years around seniors care and our aging demographic is very much going to be low tech, old school interventions but the high-tech piece will still continue to drive a, a lot of the desire of the, uh, the, the society as a whole. And balancing those tensions is going to be difficult. And that's it for our special Leading the Way podcast on virtual care. We would once again like to sincerely thank all of those who have taken the time to have a conversation with me about this 
and other topics so far. Back to you, Pat. We hope you will continue to listen to all our podcasts and subscribe to them through your favorite podcast platform. They can also be accessed through the CSPL website at physicianleaders.ca. Until next time.